Lord Jesus, we thank you for the birth of the child Jesus and pray that he'd be born into our lives in these moments. Lord, we thank you for this word. Lord, we pray that uh, you would have our attention, shape our hearts and minds. And we pray this in Christ Jesus. Amen. Please be seated. When my daughter Chelsea was about four or five years old, she was listening to an Amy Grant Christmas tape. And my daughter's always had this great love for music, so as she often did, she was singing and dancing her way through each of the songs on the tape. And after it was finished, she announced to all of us who were in the room that day that uh, she wanted to have a voice like Amy Grant. In fact, she said, I'm going to pray that I get Amy Grant's voice. My wife, Kristen, said, you know, Chelsea, that would be a great career to be able to sing for Jesus. Now, my daughter, Lauren, who's three years older, saw an opportunity, and she said, you know, Amy Grant makes a lot of money. <laughs> and my wife said, well, you know, I'm, I'm sure Amy Grant gives a lot of that money uh, to the Lord. Well, later that evening, my daughters had gotten ready for bed, and they came downstairs, and Chelsea had her purse with her, and She kind of opened it up as she handed it to my wife. She said, Mommy, I want you to give all my money to God so that I can have Amy Grant's voice. (laughs) You see, Chelsea had misunderstood a little bit there in the interaction. Somehow she thought that Amy had made some kind of arrangement with God where uh, she gave God all of her money and God gave her that great voice and Chelsea was bartering up to enter that same kind of arrangement. You know... uh, There's a lot of things that we also misunderstand about God, and some of us, even this morning, may have questions about who God is or how God relates to us, what role God wants to play in the world these days. And that is what makes Christmas so special. Because, you know, in one magnificent moment, God came from remoteness and came close to us. It's an amazing, uh, incredible mystery But it's actually the most amazing news to be communicated across the face of this earth that Jesus repelled from the heights of heaven in order to live here among us. Because God does not want to be misunderstood. Because God does not want to be some sort of vague concept. Because God doesn't want us to be confused and so make crazy little arrangements where we give God a whole bunch of our money building the expectation that He'd do what we want for Him. Well... God became one of us so that God could become real to us so that we could know Him and so that God could know us a little bit better too. And in verse 14, John gives us two words to help us explain or understand why Jesus would come. John tells us Jesus was full of grace and truth. And so I want to talk about those two words here this morning. The first is grace. Now, uh, you know... um, Grace can mean a lot of different things, and it certainly does, but when we are talking about or thinking about God, then grace always means a, um, a gift that is undeserved, a gift of kindness that is undeserved. Now, children teach us a lot about grace. I was reading through a list of things that children do that help us learn a little bit about grace. thought I'd share a few of these with you here this Christmas morning. A three-year-old's voice, did you know this? A three-year-old's voice is louder than 200 people in a crowded restaurant. (laughs) Or how about this one? A ceiling fan can hit a baseball a long way. The glass and windows, even double-paned, doesn't stop a baseball hit by a ceiling fan. 
When you hear the toilet flush and the words, "Uh uh-oh, it's already too late. (laughs) Or how about this one? Always look in uh, the oven before you turn it on. Plastic toys don't like ovens. Well, get this. What children deserve in those moments and what we do in those moments are often very different. That's grace. Jesus' birth was grace. Born to a poor, unwed mother in a stable in a country under foreign occupation, God chose to come in weakness, not in marvelous displays of power. You see, God could have cleansed the world of of all evil by wiping us out and sort of starting all over again. It'd be like Genesis, the the second episode, the re-beginning, you know. But instead, what God did was conquered evil by paying the price for our sin and dying on a cross. That is grace. It's grace because it is an astounding act of kindness that we didn't deserve. And that's what Easter's about. But Christmas shows us about a different kind of grace, a grace that we can live by, a, day, a grace that we can count on day after day after day, moment by moment, a grace that we can count on. When God became one of us, He experienced life the way we experienced it. it means that God cried. God, God got sunburned if He stayed too long out in the sun. God had to... God was patient when, when tempers flared around Him or when uh, He was teased. God experienced suffering. God experienced temptation. God experienced abandonment. What all this means is that God knows the best and the worst of what we will experience in our lifetime. He's experienced it Himself. And now as the risen, victorious Savior that Jesus is, grace means that Jesus knows what we need, when we need it most, even though we don't deserve it. The promise of Scripture isn't that God's going to keep us away from all harm and tragedy, suffering in life, but rather the promise of Scripture is that God will be there with us no matter what we are going through. And the promise is that God is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine according to His power that's already at work within us. God enters into human pain and suffering to be there with us. And Christmas means that God became a human being. That God knows what it is like to be human. And because He does, we can count on God when we need Him most, even in difficult times. That's what it means that Jesus was full of grace. And grace is the first word that our text uses to describe why Jesus came. The second is truth. Uh, now, truth, as our culture looks at it, is closely related to experience. That, that's to say that your experience of what is true and your experience of what is true might be different than my experience of what is true because just that, our experiences are different. And that is what makes truth such a, an elastic, amorphous, nearly irrelevant word in our culture today, particularly as it relates to God. Because one person's experience of God could be just as true as another person's experience of God. Christmas brings clarity for us. Because the message of Christmas is that the truth became flesh and lived among us. God revealed Himself to us through Jesus. And by becoming uh, one of us, 
God translated Himself into a form that we understand so that we can know God because we know Jesus. Now, God is the God who wants first and foremost to be known, to, to, to reveal Himself in a way to us that is personal and relational. In fact, a quick survey of the Scriptures shows that God is continually revealing Himself to us in a personal and relational way. Think about Moses there at the burning bush. Moses asked that question, Who are you? Well, uh, God doesn't say, he could have, but what God doesn't say is, Ah, Moses, I can't believe you're asking me this at this time. I, I want you to go back to seminary and take my class on Who is God 101. God doesn't do that. Instead, what God does is reveal himself to Moses as the God who is personal, the God who is relational. He says to Moses, I am the God of Abram and of Isaac and of Jacob. You see, we discover others when we're in relationship with them. Truth is revealed. Misunderstandings are discounted. That is what it means. And that, that is why um, Jesus comes to us in that way. Why, why God is so relational to us. We can, we can know God because we know Jesus in that way. God wants us to know the truth about Himself. So that when we look at Jesus, we fully see the person of God. Now, if we ever wonder about how God views the poor, all we need to do is to look at the way Jesus feeds the 5,000. If we ever want to, if we ever wonder about how God views the outcast, then all we need to do is look at how Jesus gently heals the people with leprosy who were banished from the social context of their time. If we ever wonder about what God values, then all we need to do is look at what Jesus said to the multitudes, teaching them about meekness and about forgiveness, about purity, about kindness. If we ever wonder whether God will give up on us, whether He'll ever give us another chance, or if we wonder if God cares about human suffering, then look at the cross. Because when we look at Jesus... We see the truth about God. A few months ago, I was asked by uh, the Coalition of Community Development and Renewal if our church could help fix up a home for a family that was going to be moving to Seattle because they'd lost everything in the Hurricane, uh, hurricane Rita on the Gulf Coast. And the coalition had arranged for a, a church in south-central Seattle to offer kind of temporary housing for this family while we did the divine makeover. And boy, did our team do a makeover. I mean, it was really something. I mean, walls were cleared out and moved. Uh, the, 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 the house had two kitchens, and one of those kitchens was completely transformed to be a bedroom. You'd never know the difference. The other kitchen was absolutely remodeled. There was uh, this porch, this sort of this... It was hanging off the side of the house, and they took the porch off, and they reframed the door to be a window... The stairway was re redirected, house was recarpeted, windows were replaced, it was painted inside and out. Our youth group did a landscaping job on it. Most of the furniture in the house was provided by a new furniture warehouse ministry that our church has developed. I mean, it was amazing, absolutely amazing, this transformation. And two of our people just gave, uh, abs were near, there ne nearly every day, uh, Dave Brasher and Jim McWaugh. Well, Friday the family moved in. They moved into this house, and uh, the news media was there. 
And uh, at one time during the conversation, this woman was asked uh, what it felt like now that she was moving into this home after having lost everything in New Orleans. She said, I feel so blessed. When I lost everything in New Orleans, I, I didn't know what I was going to do. But what these churches have done here is so good. God is good. God is so good to us. God used a divine makeover on a home when the family needed it most to show them about His grace, a grace that they could count on day after day after day. And God used some hard-working, dedicated volunteers uh, through this church to show the truth about God's goodness, about God's faithfulness, about God's outrageous love that will never abandon us, even in a hurricane. And so I wonder, where are you this Christmas morning as you come here for worship? Do you know God personally, relationally? Do you walk in the confidence that God will provide His grace and that you can count on God day after day after day no matter what you're going through? Would you like to? Are you in need of encouragement today just to hang in there because of what you're going through? Jesus came out of remoteness to come close for you. And all that is just a prayer away. Lord Jesus, we want to thank You for this miracle of the Incarnation. That Jesus, You'd have come from a place far away, or so it seems to us, to be here near with us. That You give us a grace that we can count on day after day after day. And that You reveal the Father to us in a way that can be known and related to personally. And so, Lord Jesus, we want to pray for more of that in our life. To be able to count on You. To be able to experience You. To be able to walk with You every moment of the day. Lord Jesus, come to us. And we pray this in the name of Jesus, who is the Lord. Amen.